You're listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API. Now from the Nowcast Network Studios, here's Mike. Hey, welcome to the Audio Nowcast. My name is Mike Rodriguez. And before we get going, let me introduce everybody. Over here on my right, we've got Mr. Bobby Osinski. Hey, Mike. Hey, everybody. Hey, Bobby. Hey, Bobby. It's good to see you, Bobby. Yeah, likewise. Next to him, we've got Mr. Nick Peck. Nick! Hello, Mike. Hello, gentlemen and ladies. It's great to see you all again. It's been way too long. Nick, someday you're going to get some more energy. Mm-hmm. Okay, One of these days. <laughs> and that's without coffee. <laughs> and then across the table, we've got producer extraordinaire, Miss Bliss McGinnis. Hi, everyone. Hi, Bliss. <laughs> and next to Bliss, we've got the one and only Iron Man of the Audio Now cast, Mr. I've Never Missed a Podcast, Rob Arbiter. Hello there, everyone. How many podcasts is this? Do we know the number? I caught you off guard, didn't I? You did. <laughs> is it like 10,000? No. 15,000? This is show 184. Okay. I'll take it. 184. That's a lot of shows. Yeah. Did you hear that little, that Google, that little Google? <laughs> nice. And if, if that's wrong, you can just paste it in later. Yeah. And hey, it's good to see you on the West Coast. It's man. good to be back. Yeah. All kinds of great, all kinds of fun stories and uh, all kinds of good things. Um, but today, we are honored to have with us as a guest, a doctor and an audiophile, Ooh. but a doctor. And uh, joining us today, we have Mr. Joe Carcetti. I think technically that would be Dr. Joe. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. You know what? That's okay. I was so, I was like. You're so nervous about getting the last name. I was so nervous about getting the last name. (laughs) Dr. Joe Carcetti. Welcome, welcome, Dr. Joe. Well, thank you. And we're going to talk about studio health on the second part. We've done that once before, like seven years ago, and it worked because we're all still here. (laughs) (laughs) But um, it's actually really timely. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about burn out, burning out and how to prevent from getting burnt out and stories of being burnt out and stories of people who were burnt out, and it'll be pretty fun. So we're going to talk about that on the second half, and it'll be uh, really cool. But on the first half, we have a lot of stuff to talk about, um, some gear, some stuff. But right off the bat, um, we went to New York, and we shot some episodes of uh, Spaces out in New York, and we went to couple really cool studios but i have to give a shout out to a couple people because we went to um a studio strange weather really great place um filmed an episode there but i got to give a a shout out to mark and daniel um who are the uh the owners of that studio and it's such a great studio it it's so good to see um studios that are thriving and that are just places of of inspiration and and they're making music and they're recording music and they're doing all kinds of music and it's just a great room and they were the first studio to have an api access console in there and the console looks great and so i just wanted to give them a shout out we also went to um atlantic records and uh did some filming there and that was really it was that was another gorgeous place and um ron robinson is the uh, Rob Robertson is the uh, studio manager there, and he's just a great guy. And that's where they mix the Hamilton record. And it's a small room, but they did something really smart, being a record company and knowing that they were going to do music videos. It's it it's wide. They have some really great camera angles, so they can put two cameras in there and they can shoot, and it looks fantastic. So I want to give a shout out there. And then also we went over to um, NYU. Clive Davis School of Recording and with Jim Anderson 
and Nick Sansano, and they um, have such a great facility. They have an API board there, um, but their control room has three rows of seating, four rows of seating for the students, and the sweet spot is huge so that everybody can kind of hear at the ideal conditions, you know, what a mix should sound like. And they spent a lot of time designing that room. And it's so smart. It, it was just, you know, most of the time, you know, you go to see some of these um, classes and it's like, okay, everybody gather around the board, you know, and, and they just had this really slick facility. So I wanted to give them a, a shout out. And I also want to give a shout out to um, a new friend that I made out there. He's a composer. His name's John Nip, And he was just the greatest guy. And he does a lot of advertising and he started listening to the podcast and um, he's, he started from the the good one and worked back. <laughs> Actually, they're all good. But, um, but yeah, but I just want to give a shout out to John. So um, I had to say that, had to get those in because um, we spend a lot of time and Spaces is coming along great and it's going to be really good. And uh, when we drop it, it'll be really kind of fun. That's a lot of shout outs. This is like becoming America's top 40 or I something. Know, I know. It's but impressive. I, you know what? If I didn't do it at the top, I would have totally forget. That's true. <laughs> but there's a lot of things that happened. And one of the things actually is we went to go see um, Rob's uh, office. You know, Rob talks about all this traveling and we finally got to see Rob on the East Coast. My East Coast digs. <laughs> it was fun having you guys there. It was so great. It was really fun. We love your space. Well, thank There's you. so many themed rooms. Yeah, we have themed rooms. <laughs> he does. He has themed rooms. Take our mind off the drudgery. And has the most amazing view. I mean, it's literally Times Square. You like, you can just look, and there it is. It's right there. Mm-hmm. We'll They've, have to post a pic. Yes, we will post a pic. Yeah, Times Square is nicer to look at than be in, <laughs> if you ask me. I don't actually love being in it, but looking down to it's pretty nice. But one thing I want to talk about, and uh, and it was something that the, the three of us went to um, is uh, we got to go to the opera, to the Met. Have you guys ever been to the opera? Have, have you ever Not been to the Met? Oh. Have you been to a opera? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I've been oh. to the opera in San Francisco, the War Memorial Opera yeah. House. Um, I tell you, the opera is, you know, when you mention opera, a lot of people's first reaction is to snicker or to laugh. You know, it seems like opera doesn't get a lot of respect that some of the other musical forms that it gets, you know. Um, but... It's such a fantastic event. Like when you go to an opera, not only do you have amazing vocalists, but then you also have an orchestra that's phenomenal. And then especially a place like the Met where you have set designs that are these big, grandiose, like so much eye candy. There's so much to look at. And you have this whole experience and then you realize there's no PA. There all singing without a PA. And the orchestra is perfectly blended with the singers. It's so amazing. It's such an amazing experience to go see the opera, to go see, especially there. I mean, if you're in New York and you don't go to the Met, that's that's just, you know, shame on you because that is such a great venue and it's such a great event. I mean, Rob, what do you think of the opera? Oh, it's incredible. I mean, it's a spectacle that you just don't see anywhere else. And the sets are several stories tall, and they they well the the staging area is a, is a lot bigger than what the audience sees, so they can actually have four or five complete stages going and sliding in and out. But the things that they accomplish in the, in the opera we saw basically a giant ship sails into the middle of the stage, and it's the size of a giant ship, and it's just staggering. And it and it's also 
silent, completely silent. So you can have the orchestra playing like one violin note and this massive, you know, many ton set can slide in and you don't hear anything. It's just, just perfect. It's, it's the most amazing staging I've ever seen. Bliss, what did you think of the opera? It was completely magical. I mean, I was blown away. Not even in my dreams could I have thought that they could create such incredible sets with the space and the sound and just the beauty of the building and the history. And it was a cultural phenomenon. And the fact that there is no amplification. Yeah. And there's a massive orchestra. I mean, the dynamics, you just couldn't even capture that in a recording, really. It's It's... The quiet parts are so quiet and the loud parts are so loud and yet everything is blended and balanced and it's all just humans mixing with each other. There's no, I guess the conductor is really the mixer. Yeah, I mean, they're like, I, you know, it's when you sing with a group and you can kind of blend with the person on either side of you as you're singing, I can only imagine how they must have control to be able to blend with the live orchestra and to hear what they're hearing from the orchestra and being able to project over it. I don't know. There's going to be some serious monitoring because you realize most people, if they can't hear themselves or if they sing out, they tend to go flat, right? I mean, the first thing a lot of people, you know, when you perform, it's like you rely on the monitors. You rely to hear yourself, to hear yourself. But when no, you're... Actually, you go sharp. You, you, you try to project more and you go sharp. Oh, yeah, if you don't hear yourself as yeah. well. Here's the thing, See, though. I mean, you know... People, humans have been emoting on stage for 2,000 years. That's true. And, uh, you know, the vast majority of that time, they didn't have monitors or PA systems. It was a matter See, of... and they were singing sharp the whole time. That's right. <laughs> it was a matter of creating, you know, technique. And that, I think, is probably one of the reasons why, you know, the operatic voice is so gargantuan, right? I mean, that whole big thing with the huge vibrato and yeah. the ability... Because they're trying to be able to project to the back of the room. And, uh, you know, that isn't something that comes and easy. think how many people were on stage. Yeah, I mean, the at cast. one point, there's at least 100 people, it seems like. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy the amount of people that were on stage. And it was so it's, – it's a spectacle. It's just so big and it's so grandiose. And, um, and none of them were going sharp. <laughs> Maybe they were all going sharp together, including the orchestra. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Wait a minute. That feels like a 443. What's up? <laughs> but, but you know what? I never thought about that. But you're absolutely right, Nick. It's like this is the way it was in the 1700s. This is the way it was, you know, in the 1600s. I mean, you go to the Vienna Opera House. They don't have a PA and it's the same type of experience. If and, you think about it, it's quite unnatural to be amplified. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's one of the few forms of music where you can actually go back and listen to the way it, it was now, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's it was just it was just a great experience, and it was it's something I just I want to recommend people to go see an opera, whether you're in New York, San Francisco, Kansas City, Baltimore. The next thing I want to do, they do have tours of backstage, which I think are not the easiest things in the world to arrange, but. To get a, a backstage tour to see how they do those productions would be incredible. Yeah, especially the sets. I mean, the sets mm -hmm. are so impressive. And at the end of the opera, the whole set just started moving. Mm -hmm. And it was it was incredible. I mean, just this giant set just starts moving off. It off sailed stage. off. Yeah. yeah, it sailed off. It was silently. We saw the flying Dutchman in case anyone wanted to know. Oh right, yes. <laughs> Yeah, Which sure. was a long one with no intermission, so <laughs> visit the bathroom beforehand. That's all. And Rob so could sum it up in two sentences. 
Oh. <laughs> yeah, well, it definitely was one of those. I don't want to ruin it, but it definitely was one of those operas where you could sum up the storyline in about 10 seconds, but it took them three hours to actually get it out because there's a lot of repetition and stuff. But, uh, yeah, it was it was an incredible experience. Anyway, it was, it was so beautiful. Yeah, so that's that's the opera talk. That's the opera talk for the Onion Outcast, and uh, yeah, it was really great. But let's move on. Now, if this was actually opera talk, we'd now have the same conversation twenty times in a row. Over and over. Welcome to opera talk. Uh, yes. but, this uh, is Nicholas Peck, your host. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are going to be discussing Rossini versus. <laughs> Never mind. But on the other hand, we also went to a Mastodon concert too. So we really got both ends of the spectrum. Yeah, I skipped that one. That was uh, <laughs> how was that? That was the day after I saw you. That guys. was over at the. It was great. It was just a cultural experience on a on a different side. Did they use some amplification in that one? There was. <laughs> funny enough, <laughs> yes, there was plenty of yeah, like stacks and stacks and stacks. Of yeah, it was plenty of amplification. But you know what's interesting though is, um, and we actually had a discussion about this. You can kind of see why heavy metal is kind of flatlined, if anything, going down. When you when you see a concert, like we've been seeing a lot of concerts because um, being the podcast, I want to immerse in a lot of music and a lot of different things. And when you see, uh, for some reason, the metal concert, it's just – it was just so bombastic and just so like just, you know – four on the floor just straight at you just it just it assaults you and and there not was, much nuance yeah exactly <laughs> no that's not a word that that's used in many of the reviews no, <laughs> look they were great and they, they played their instruments really well but you know compared to some of the other concerts that even snoop you know had you know that you had a groove and you had a feeling and you and it just you had all these different kinds of emotion with a the heavy metal, it was it was just an assault. It was kind it? of flatline, right? I mean, it was just this flat like Did you wear earplugs? <laughs> uh that was a big mistake on my part. Oh <laughs> no. Uh yeah. yeah. But we were we were sitting pretty far back, but even still mm-hmm. <laughs> my ears rang for a I while. Bet. Um, I bet. No, yeah, it was really intense, really extreme. It was fun to see the crowd. I mean, they really played, they rocked so hard. Um, so it was it was a great experience, but um I mean, it was similar to the opera in that once you've heard one song, you've heard it mm-hmm. 20 times, mm-hmm. um, in my opinion. But anyway, they they rocked hard. They were awesome. But yeah, even, you know, Kiss, Black Sabbath, they have the ups and downs. They have the ballad, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, Mastodon, not so big on the ballads? Not so big on the ballads. <laughs> yeah, when you're, waiting, when you're waiting for that power ballad, yeah. you, you know that there's <laughs> it's just flat. It's just just an assault and and it was it's it just interesting though cuz i i was looking at it cuz you know metal right now is is having a hard time making money i know several people i have friends that that used to play in really big metal bands and they you know they're playing bars now i mean they just can't they can't get a foothold well cur- let me ask you a question yeah what was the demographic of the audience uh a lot of males yeah, yeah, but but what age group? It was an older. It was an older age That's group. That's why you know it really was. There's there's yeah. exactly there's not a lot of young people going to to metal concerts. Although they did have a mosh pit, and there was a lot of young guys in the mosh pit. And that was awesome. <laughs> they were moshing hardcore. Even I was a little worried about that. <laughs> really? So yeah. how many women were there? Um, I mean, I guess to every like ten guys, there was a girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was definitely. Uh, 
you know, a lot of males, a lot of older males. And, a lot of testosterone. Yeah. And, around there. and it's, yeah. And, but you can see, you know, I don't know, just the appeal of metal to, to the younger audience. I don't, I, I think. In the United States, it's different than other parts of the exactly, world. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They're still, you know, overseas. But, yeah. but I think the expectations of our pop music has set up expectations in all music and, and pop, let's face it. Pop has a lot of soul. Pop has a lot of melody. Pop has a lot of, you know, ebbs and flows. When you can get Adele, you know, it sells many records as she can. It's, you know, heavy metal against Adele. Just Adele is an outlier, but yeah. But the fact that she's even exist as an outlier, you know, I don't know. Do you think metal will ever make it back? Do you ever think it, I think it's going to take a really good melodic metal band if they were going to come back and they have to pace themselves, you know, more so just being bombastic. They have to have some good balance in there. Everything you know? cycles. So yeah, I, I'm sure. But right now, rock in general has been usurped by country music because country music is, is seventies mm -hmm. California rock. Really? It's so true. And, and, but hard rock and heavy metal have really taken a hit. And as you say, they're, it's, it's tough for them unless, you know, it's Sabbath. Sabbath can go out and do okay. But, yeah. but if you, you're a, a B or a C artist, it's a lot tougher. Almost impossible. Yeah. I would say you just can't, you can't make money because they're not buying your albums and then they're not coming out to see you. So, you know, unless you're a Macedon, unless you're one of those established bands that has a. How many people were there? It was packed and it was over at the Hammerstein Ballroom over in uh, Madison Square Garden area. So. That's oh, like 5,000. Yeah, probably. 6, yeah. yeah. It was three tiers of balconies and. In the floor, and they all all were full. Which, by the way, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous venue. I mean, yeah, insane. Yeah. Uh, so, bleep, bleep, so yeah. Bliss, did you just wait while Mike was in the mosh pit? Did you just wait for him to finish? <laughs> yeah, basically. Okay, I can totally. Visit I made that. friends with some interesting characters. Right, exactly. <laughs> and well. also the opening band—they were good. Oh yeah, Eagles of Death Metal. Oh, they're good. Yeah, they were really, really well, good. local boys. Really, they're yeah. from the. Yeah, the no, desert. they they were really good, and yeah. you mean the band that was in that Paris? was at the Vatican. Yes, oh, yes. and you know what? What's interesting is you can kind of tell it, it. You know, he was talking a lot about love and a lot about support and all of that, and and you can tell that that you know, of course, that's going to affect you with what they. Oh, how could through, it not? You know, and uh, but yeah, they were they were phenomenal. They were really good. Can I ask you a question about Atlantic Atlantic Studios? Sure. It was an API console there, right? Yeah, it was a sixteen oh eight loaded with. All kinds of goodies. Okay. Did it have reverse faders on it? Reverse faders. I don't I don't know. I don't I don't I don't I don't know enough about re what are reverse faders. Is it what it sounds? Well, yeah, just the way it sounds. Up at the top is off. Oh, all the way at the top is off and all the way on the bottom is on all the way. And that would um, make for an interesting first session. Atlantic and Criteria <laughs> were the two that I remember that were like that. And and, and uh, for a while, it was like that at uh, Abbey Road, too. Wow. wow. That's kind of like, it would be kind of like driving in England. <laughs> I mean, well, it's, it's that like, first time when somebody says, wow, that's too loud. Just pull down all the faders. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever worked on a, I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense, but have you ever worked on a console like that? I haven't. That was just a little past my time, before my time. But uh, it makes sense. I mean, the reason why is if you put your hands down on the armrest, yeah, 
and you can just grab the faders with your fingers. Pull and them bring, towards you. Yeah, and it's somewhat easier than the For other For loud. One. Yeah. One, also, it's sort of the same paradigm as working with digital. Like, at the top, like, zero is full on. You, like, yeah, fully yeah, open. Yeah. I, it would take some getting used to that. You know what would be weird, too, is is you would have to train your eyes. Like, I can tell how something's going to sound when you look at the board, obviously, because you see where the faders are. Mm -hmm. So you'd have to, like, do a fader flip in your brain to be able to to look at it and visually hear what it sounds like. I'm sure yeah. it's like when Apple switched the direction of the trackpads, mm -hmm. you know, where up was down and down was up, and then they flipped it. You know, that took some getting used to, and then everybody got used to it. My guess is you, your brain would just adjust. First thing I do whenever I use a new trackpad is flip Set it, it back. back the other <laughs> <way>. <laughs> yeah, Which I, would be a little trickier to do with the console. I, I could swear, maybe I'm wrong, but I seem to recall Tom Dowd in, in his documentary talking about the reverse faders. Because yeah. I think that he had something to do with actually building the consoles as well. And wow. He was doing it sort of, uh, I don't know, somebody go do research. It's a great documentary anyway. I, Very I much worth listening to. I seem to remember somewhere where there was actually a console where push of a button, you could go either way. Wow. Wow, that would be I, cool. I, and I, when I was pretty young, I went to the MCI factory. MCI, for those of you who don't know, was a major console and 24-track tape machine manufacturer and I remember going to the factory and I'm pretty sure that's where they, you know, they showed it to me, but they were criteria was actually the place where they beta tested everything. So I say that kind of makes sense. That, that would be interesting. I'd like to try it. I would fail miserably, but I'd like to try mixing a reverse yeah. fader console, but that, uh, that definitely sounds just interesting. Hey, Joe, you still with us? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just listen, just listen. <laughs> Joe, what, how do you listen to your music? Do you have a really nice uh, system that you listen to your music on? Or, or? And yeah, I, I do. I do. I, I have a very, very large variety of music that I like. Uh, um, originally from Europe, so I did listen to a lot of opera as well as uh, European music. And then worldwide, the States. Wow. It's, you know. What are some of your favorite opera recordings? Well, if I, like, if if I wanted to, depend, if I wanted to depending on who you speak to, the the origins of opera came from either Verdi, Puccini, or Rossini, and they're the the big ones out there. And uh, um, I, I had the the privilege of actually um, speaking to Corrado Rivera, who is the actual <laughs> present uh, composer, um, the orchestra director of La Scala. And you were talking about acoustics, right? Uh, it's 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 amazing if you go to these classical. Um, old buildings and the way they can just sing, just like amplification, it's, it's amazing. I unfortunately I never listened to Pavarotti, but you know, <laughs> just recordings of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's amazing. Like you're saying, how the building is so much a part of the whole performance and also part of the recordings. Oh, absolutely, you sure. Know? I yeah. mean, you go to some of these recordings because of who's singing, what they're singing, and where it was recorded. So. That's that's pretty awesome. All right, I just wanted to make sure you're still checking. No, no, with I'm, us. Here, I'm here. I'm intently <laughs> listening. No problem. So uh, moving on, we're going to talk a little bit of little gear right now, and I want to give a shout out to Isotope because of the RX6 that they just recently released. And let me tell you, it does some voodoo magic with some of the new things that with uh, clothing a rustle that it removes, and it also removes um, wind noise. It's it's like magic. It's getting so good that. Expectations from producers are are being 
raised along with what you can do. So you can put dialogue through it that has clothing rustle and it'll just remove the clothing? And it'll remove the clothing. Wow. How crazy That's is that? pretty impressive. And, and also the the wind, come on, how, yeah. you know, yeah. and a lot of times it's like, okay, roll off the low end, but you still have all that high end little, little stuff. It'll take that out. And it's really impressive how good it does both. And it really kind of sucks because now the whole thing of like, oh, no, we can't use that because it, you know, it doesn't sound good and, or you can reject that or whatever. It's the end of ADR, right? It's exactly. Yeah. ADR is going away, which actually it's not a bad thing because ADR, you never quite got the same performance that you would when you were there. I mean, I've, I did a ton of ADR and um, recorded, you know, 40 movies worth of ADR. And and rarely did you ever get a take that was better or as good as what they were. Well, because unless the actor is incredible, they're not going to be able to get back to the exact same exactly. mindset they exactly. were in. I mean, it'll work and you can mix it in and you have everything else, but it's just, you know, the actual emotion and, and what it sounds like and stuff. It's, I don't know. It's, ADR is, is going to go away. Exactly. Because you're going to be able to fix just about anything. Just about anything. I mean, already you can, you know, take most noise out, you know, sirens and things like that. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Ken, was did, that... Was, did that get recorded? Did that get recorded? Okay, so <laughs> tell him what Ken just said. Uh, Ken just piped in and said, you can't... <laughs> fix bad mic placement, which is true. That's true. That's true. You can't fix that. But, um, well, really quick, Ken, do you do a lot of ADR? <laughs> <laughs> ADR will be around for a long time. Just want to let everybody know that. <laughs> we had an interesting uh, conversation at Disney the other day. Um, one of my guys was using Neutron to isotope Neutron to be able to help him speed up working on a mix of something. He had, you know, half an hour to do a half an hour mix. And he said, that's it. These, this software is getting so good that, you know, my job is going to become obsolete. They're never going to need me anymore. But I think the reality of the situation is um, you're always going to need the aesthetics. You're always going to need the taste, you know, and the yeah. chops of the person who actually makes the decisions, yeah. even though, you know, it's more pushing buttons than uh, actually using the same kind of skills to be able to remove wind noise or what, what have you. Yeah. Well, I just want to give a shout out to those guys because they're doing some amazing things. And I don't know what kind of voodoo it is or what kind of black magic it is, but it's it, it works. Uh, another thing I want to talk about really quick um, before the break is I want to – we haven't uh, talked about uh, Avid in, in a while. <laughs> and uh, Avid uh, last month had their Avid Connect where basically you spend a lot of money to go and talk to the uh, company. I mean, there's so much wrong with Avid. The fact that they can even charge you hundreds of dollars to come to any To complain. To, you know. <laughs> they charge they, you to complain. And, they, and, and uh, it's just the whole subscription and trying to upgrade and all the different price tiers. And, and it's just, they just, the thing I don't like about the company is the fact that they just are squeezing money from their most loyal users. Like the more you've used them, the longer you use them, the more you're paying and the more they're just trying to make you pay more and more. I mean, even now with Sibelius, right? I yeah. Mean, I was sitting in a coffee shop the other day 
And uh, I thought, you know, now would be a really good time for me to, to work on a chart. And I hadn't done that on my laptop for some time. So I said, I'll, you know, just boot up Sibelius, realize that Sibelius 6.2, and I had, per, you know, probably paid for three upgrades over the life of that software, um, was no longer compatible with the version of the Macintosh operating system I was on. So I said, oh, okay, no problem. I'll just go up to Avid and see how much it costs to upgrade. I went up to there, and uh, it turns out that Sibelius is... $299 per year to be able to subscribe to. And that was the point in which I said, well, I'm glad to hear that the original Sibelius development team went over to Steinberg and developed Dorico mm -hmm. because for $279, I can get a cross grade from Sibelius to Dorico and shut the door on yet another Avid product that I've used for over a decade. Mm -hmm. I, you know, people are jumping ship left and right. They're not getting the, the young user base. It's, it's, I don't know how they stay in business. I mean, I, obviously I do because I use it every day, but I don't know. Bobby, what's going on? Do you know anything that's going on over there? Or do you know? No, no, I don't. Uh, but I do know that when I talk to the people at Pro Tools Expert, for instance, they tell me, they also have a Studio One Expert and they have five or six expert sites. And they tell me that Studio One is the one that's coming on really fast. Logic is big, but Logic is, is kind of peaked. So, but Studio One is growing like weeds. Really? I, I mean, it's great. It's a great, I, I like the layout. You can do a lot and it makes sense. Um, I haven't tried it for any post-production work or any. any yeah, see, I don't, time. that's where Pro Tools really shines though. Ah. And uh, maybe Nuendo, does Nuendo have tools now? Oh, yeah. Nuendo is unbelievable for post-production. Yeah. Um, I've used it a lot, and in my opinion, it is superior in just about every way to really? Pro Tools. The reason why is because of the fact that Nuendo was developed from the ground up with post-production in mind, yeah. whereas Pro Tools was a music-oriented you know, DAW that then added enough stuff to be able to allow you to do post in it. And, and you know, we're certainly used to it. I'll also point out that Nuendo and Studio One were both developed by the same guy. Yeah, really. Right. Yeah, Wolfgang Kunz. Wolf, yeah, Wolfgang. We actually who's had him been right, on the podcast. He's been on the podcast. Yeah. He's a good friend and still listens. Um, and I hope so. <laughs> hey there. Hey, Wolfgang. <laughs> give us a call. I will give you one, just one very quick example because I know we've been talking a lot. Here is one quick example of the difference between Nuendo and Pro Tools. All right. If you go into Nuendo and you you know set up your time base and then you import a QuickTime movie to be able to work against. Um, it will overlay window burn time code over the QuickTime movie as you're working so that as you go along, you see it the way that, you know, you used to be able to see, you know, they, people would always put window right. burn on top of the video. Sure. Yeah. That doesn't exist, you know, currently when I get, you know, when I get these uh, animation files that I'm having to sound design against, you know, the younger people don't even know what window burn is. Nuendo automatically superimposes it over the digital video file without even asking you. And That's I find cool. that to be astounding. That's yeah. really cool. It's really cool. Well, anyway, I don't want to uh, harp on it too much, but I did want to, to bring that out, and especially since their stock price is $5.32. Yeah, yeah, right. It's, taking, <laughs> it's like, man, it's, it's like, I, I don't know. In some ways, I like... I don't know. I don't know. You you want them to succeed, and yet at the same time, well, you at the want NAB them. show, they were certainly acting like it's the most prosperous, you know, company in the world. I mean, all positivity and all this excitement with the the Pro Tools consoles and everything. I mean, they had a lot of people standing around. When I talk with the console people, they all tell me that it's going great, 
and and I know know them long enough that if it wasn't, I think they'd be straight with me. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. That's all I can say. And it still gets me angry. <laughs> yeah. But uh, all right. Well, hey, listen. Hey, how was NAB, by the way? I didn't I didn't get to go this year. Was it? Anything? It was fine. It was a lot like previous years. <laughs> I, I only spent one day and uh, didn't see anything too astounding. But Wow. I well, did so- go I did go by Avid to see uh, just what was new. I've actually been, and we'll probably talk about it in the what are you up to, in the what are you up to now segment later, but... <laughs> Uh, I just kind of wanted to see what is the mood there because most of the people I know from the company aren't there anymore. Uh, wow. And it's kind of depressing, but they seem to have a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of, you know, products out and people excited. So. Wow. The dock is cool. I have to say that's mm-hmm. the one. Yeah, a lot of people were buzzing about yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Hey, really quick, before the break, I wanted to mention, remember last podcast we were talking about breaking up with clients and things of that nature? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you broke up with one? No, no. But I heard this story that's along the same lines that I just thought was so bad that I had to mention it. Um, I was talking with some mixer friends of mine um, today. Actually, they were in my bay and we were talking. And um, one of them was talking about this, this uh, sound company that essentially the guy who owned it hired all these composers and bought out the library of the composers when they hired him, saying, promised all this work, brought him in, got their music, laid off all the composers. Mm. Mm-hmm. Basically brought him in, got the libraries, and said goodbye. And that was like, oh, man. That's really low. That is, that is that's just, uh, that is so horrible. That's so slimy. And then I was just thinking... How many times have we heard stories like that? Yeah. Like, I would love to say that that's the, you know, the, the rarity, the exception. But that's – you hear stories like that all the time about slimy, sleazy practices in 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 the business. So it's not just breaking up with clients. It's like sometimes your, your boss is your worst enemy too, you know. A, a good example of what brought that on is we were talking about – bad places that we worked and I was saying how one time I worked at a place where I went in they owed me $2,000 and it was payday and you go into the general manager's office and he goes how much do you need? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like I need $2,000 and they're like no how much do you really need? (laughs) I need $2,000 and he goes we can't afford to give you $2,000 but we can give you something so how much do you need? So you get $1,000, right? So I got $1,000 and so I'm in the whole $1,000, right? Next pay period comes across, how much do you need? Well, now they owe me another $2,000 and they're like, well, I need $2,000, okay? So they give me $1,000 and now they owe me two thousand. They're like, <laughs> and it's always like, oh no, we're gonna make it up. We're gonna make it up. We're gonna make it up. You know, we got this film coming in, and we're gonna get. Next time I went in there, two thousand dollars. How much do you need? <laughs> they gave me. I mean, they they wow. would have been better off just saying, hey, we're just gonna cut your pay. Um, it got up to four thousand dollars, and then I quit. But the okay. problem is, the reason why nobody was quitting before. It's because the guys that were quitting, they weren't getting anything. Right. They were just not getting anything. And they kept promising you you were going right. to get it. And so when I left that company, they owed me $4,000 and I never saw the $4,000 mm-hmm. because they just, you know, it was really bad. That Let me just tell you, that company was so bad that what ended up happening was the guy moved from one building to another building, set himself up in this other building, and then – there was a quote unquote break in and all the gear was stolen. 
<laughs> oh, boy. Well, what ended up happening was that gear that was stolen was actually – it was an inside job. And that gear was given to a lot of the uh, editors that were working on it. And apparently they opened up yet another facility wow. with <laughs> the stolen gear. It was horrible. <laughs> it's hor- I mean – it's so That's pretty bad. Slimy. I mean, this is those stories are out there. And I don't know. I, I I don't want to go down like let's all tell our slimy stories because we'll be here for a long time. No, we have to have a contest for people to guess who these people are you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I can't I can't mention anything. Oh no, they'll figure it out. <laughs> you know who you are. Exactly. Yeah, they'll, they'll figure it out. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's just crazy. Well, hey, listen, we're gonna take a break and when we come back, we're gonna talk to Dr. Joe. Hey there. Yay. Can I call you Dr. Joe? That's fine. That's going to be a lot easier for me than (laughs) (laughs) butchering your last name. And I will remember the doctor. And we're going to talk about burnout. We're going to talk about stress. We're going to talk about taking care of yourself. Because, dang it, right now, it's super important. So we'll uh, see you next time. You're listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and Westwave Audio. Have a question for the panel? Would you like to be a guest on the Audio Nowcast and live in the L.A. area? Email us at audio at nowcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back to the Audio Nowcast. And before the break, we were talking about slimy people in the industry. <laughs> and you know, I will tell you, once we got into the break, it didn't get much better. <laughs> it seems like, uh, yeah, in, in the industry, there's all kinds of horrible, 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 horrible stories. Well, in our current situation, uh, you know, it goes all the way up to the top, right? <laughs> Slimy's government in history, it might as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, it's just really interesting. But, you know, as much as we can talk about the bad people in the industry, there's also a lot of great people in the industry. And I can't talk about one without talking about the other. Because I think nowadays, there's just a really good sense of, of cooperation amongst a lot of people. You know, it's, I mean, the podcast is a really great example. I mean, we all sit around and we all share our knowledge. And, and every single one of you guys I know is just really generous. And if I ever have a question, I know I can go and, and you're more than happy to answer the question and you're more than happy to, to help me out. And, and I think that's really great. So is, you know, there's still bad people out there, but you know what? There's a lot of good people out there too. So I, I have to end on that. <laughs> we can't, we can't think of any others, but. <laughs> They've got to be out there. I would say that, you know, after being continuously in this industry for 25 years or so, the number of people that have, you know, gotten away with screwing me over, I could probably count on one hand. Yeah. And the number of wonderful people that I've worked with over and over again is in the hundreds. It's in the thousands. So I think the bad apples are much more rare than, you know – the, the people who really mean well. Yeah. That's I mean, good to know. Yeah. <laughs> They're just a lot more fun to talk but about. But seriously, yeah. I mean, just even around this table, like Bobby Osinski over here, I mean, he's he's been very generous with his time. This man is a walking textbook. And, you know, if you, you know, we have the privilege and honor of having him come to the podcast, but he's just a great guy. And ever since oh, yeah. Bobby came on the first time, it's like you've been very generous. You're too kind. Uh, no, it's true. And, and Rob, Rob, Look, I learned a lot from Rob, and he was always, you know, Rob was my boss on Stevie Wonder when I started, and he was really patient. Did he throw you against the wall? (laughs) (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) 
We're still in touch. It could still happen. <laughs> right. No, but His he was. Time will come. But he yeah, was really exactly. good. And let me tell you, walking into the Stevie Wonder gig, it was not like walking into any other gig. It's like it's like going from grade school to NASA. I mean, it was like it was that big of a jump. It was big computers, big modules. Big setup. Everything was big. It was like, take my biggest MIDI system I've ever worked on and multiply it by like 20. It was mm-hmm. huge. And there was a lot of patience. And Rob was there and he, you know, explained everything. And and actually we had myself and Kevin McCourt. We both mm-hmm. showed up, you know, two rookie um, keyboard techs <laughs> with like taking on that that gig. And I just spent a week with Kevin, by the way, which is <laughs> Did crazy. You? Catching up on old time. That's awesome. But I would never throw you guys against the wall because you were there to make my life easier. <laughs> like unlike everybody else on that tour, you were there yeah. to actually help. So yeah, I mean, Nick, yourself too. So it's like you know going over to your senior studio and stuff. So there's a lot of good people just around this around this table, actually, and. And Bliss, Bliss helping out with all the production and things like that for little to no pay. (laughs) (laughs) Free gigs. Free gigs. So, you know, just around this table, there's some really great people. So, you know, like you said, you know, for all the bad people that are out there, there's a lot of really good people. And you, Mike. Let us all... uh throw a big wave of love in your direction. (laughs) (laughs) Feel the wave. All right. Well, hey, listen, on that, we're going to segue from um, really horrible clients to really great people to uh, really horrible lifestyles. (laughs) 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 And we're going to talk to to Dr. Joe. And let me just tell you, um, right now, I'm in an incredible period of being overworked like seriously i i as soon as i'm done here i have to edit for another four or five hours Mm. for something that's due on thursday and i'm probably going to pull an all-nighter tomorrow night but i'm not going to do it tonight because i'm going to get some sleep what kind of project is it uh it's a i have to edit a teaser trailer it's a video project okay um but um i wanted to talk about burning out and i wanted to before we talk to dr joe i wanted to ask you guys have you ever been in a moment of time have you ever been burnt out and and i've i've been overworked but i don't think i've actually been burnt out because the only thing that keeps me going is the fact that i love what i do i mean i really enjoy it but there are times where like you feel the pressure and you feel your heart rate going up and you're like, oh my goodness, you know, how is this going to work? But but I was thinking about that and and actually even before we knew that uh, Dr. Joe was going to join us was talking about burnout because I I was talking to um, one of the guys, one of the mixers, and we were you know talking about friends that we knew that have literally burnt out, like walked away, like they can't do it anymore, mm-hmm. just walked away. And I don't know, any of you guys, anybody around here, have you ever been to the moment of, of being burnt out where you're just fried and you're just willing to chuck it? Well, I didn't think so until I went to get my hair cut and the stylist said, you look really burnt out, man. <laughs> 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 and I went back and I told my girlfriend and she went and she bought me a book called A Burned Out Case. So then I figured, okay, well, that must be the case. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Nick? Oh, sure. Um, Absolutely, yes, both in audio and in other things. Here is what I think, and Dr. Joe, please uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. My theory is that there is a big difference between burnout and exhaustion yeah. because exhaustion is something where you're physically tired and particularly if you've done it for a while and you're running on not enough sleep. Burnout is an emotional thing where you've lost your motivation, right? It's more uh, than that, actually. Really? Please. Yeah. Now, you're exactly correct about that because one of them is your brain is no longer able to 
create versus the other one is just sheer energy exhaustion. Right. So if you can't create something because you're a creative artist, uh, because your brain cells don't work, versus just tired, you're able to do something, you're just tired, there, there is a distinct difference for sure. Something something that I see in a in an industry outside of of music is in scouting. I've been very involved in cub scouting and then boy scouting with my son ever since he was six. And what I discovered, what was interesting was that I was you know the most gung ho guy there was, and I was the adult leader for many years. And then finally, there was just a moment in which I just couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't be the guy who was wrangling all the kids anymore. And, you know, you read about it all the time in any kind of volunteer type of situation, right? Adult leader burnout is something that is a big issue in scouting because of that. You know, there are all these people that are volunteering and spending all of this time right. and giving of themselves and giving and giving and giving. And within it, when they don't get enough back or when they get involved in politics or any of those kinds of, you know, the sort of the things of people, you know, each pushing their own position and something like that, people get fed up and walk away. What about you, Rob? Have you ever been burnt out? I I can think of maybe two instances where I was working for people who sort of completely underestimated what the job was going to be. In both cases, these were films. Actually, no. One was a film. One was a, a advertising campaign. But the the producers and directors had completely underestimated how much work it was going to be. One of these things where they say it's going to take me a day, and then it's going to be like three weeks instead. So. They really underestimate it, but, you know, my nature is to still try to do a good job as any of us would. You never right. accept a gig and then do a half-baked job just because, you know, there's not enough money or whatever. You always try to do your best work. And in both of these cases, I ended up working way above and beyond. And actually, in the case of the film, <coughs> they came in and said they just needed a mix. And it turned out they needed a complete post-production job, like mm -hmm. sound effects, Foley, ADR, I, everything. You know what? I remember that. I remember that film. But... And you did a great job, by the way. Oh, thank you. Oh, no, this is a different one. I know the one you're thinking of. Oh, it's not that one? No, no, that one was okay because they were at least appreciative. What I was going to say about this other one <laughs> is I did all this work and there wasn't even a thank you at the end. Oh. So I basically just about killed myself and there was not only no money, but like no, no appreciation, nothing. Oh, that's... And twice that's happened. The one that you're thinking of... It was that much work, but they were really appreciative, oh, so okay. I didn't feel so bad. Yeah, because that one sounds phenomenal. Just yeah. the trailer sounded amazing. So Yeah, that one turned out really that good. That was pretty awesome. What about you, Blake? Actually, I'll, I'll give that a shout-out. That movie's called Devil Girl. <laughs> <laughs> you should see it if you like really terrible, great-sounding movies, because <laughs> that's what it is. Uh, how about you, Miss Bliss? You ever uh, been burnt out? I mean, I've certainly been exhausted before and on the verge of wanting to quit, but I'm a survivor, so I managed <laughs> to keep going, and it all seems to miraculously work out some way or another. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I definitely have thought of switching careers a few times. Um, <laughs> I, I remember people expect me to be the happy, positive girl, and when I see myself as being the negative, not happy girl, I mean, that says something about your environment. And when you see the new people come in who are happy, then you really realize that <laughs> there's something wrong. So um, it's a matter of just realizing these signs and, and knowing what's good for you. But also, I mean, it, you have to follow your dream and your passion. You can't just quit. So right. it's like a matter of being a survivor and seeing how far you can push yourself, but you don't want there to be health problems because of it. Well, and that's, that's one of the reasons I thought it'd be great to have Joe here tonight yeah. is to discuss because – when you realize you're in the middle of one of these situations, because it's not like it's not like you're in this for three weeks and you don't realize that this is starting to really eat at you, like 
you got to take care of yourself. You got to like make sure you're in an environment, you put yourself in as good an environment as possible. I mean, it's obviously the audio world isn't the only world where people get stressed out. Yeah. No, it's not just the audio world. It actually, ha it happens also in medicine too. I mean, the highest crash rate for most doctors or for emergency room physicians, by the time they're 50, they're done. Is so it happens, in, oh yeah, uh, happens in all industries. The problem in this industry that we're talking about, productivity is really, really important. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pose a question to all of you. If, I, I kind of know the answer already, but um, we have a situation that you are, uh, you're not productive or you're ill. Mm -hmm. And you can either rest for three days and come back at 30% productivity, or you're out of the equation for a week and a half at 100%. Mm -hmm. And when you're stressed for time to get an end product, which one are you going to choose? Oh, crawl out of our deathbed to, <laughs> yes. to do the work. That's right. Yes, that's exactly true. <laughs> but your productivity, so. exactly, but your productivity won't be as high. You really need to take care of yourself because it's not just the fact that you need to speak or you need to see or you need to do something as far as your, your, your job is concerned. You need to be cognitively um, uh, awake and not impaired because your productivity will be 10 times better. Mm -hmm. So you'll not only come out with a great result, okay, with a great re um, resolution, instead of having done it half-assed, so to speak, over a period of time, and, um, and you won't come out with a good product. Mm -hmm. That's the whole, the whole thing. And you need to take care of yourself across the board. It's not just sleeping. Sleep is very, very important. Sure. And you have to, you have to replenish all your chemicals, your neurotransmitters, and everything else. And then the next day, you're refreshed, and you go, and you slam it down, and you do a re really great job. But you also have to walk. You have to be able to be toned. You have to have, be happy. Smiling is a lot better than being frowning every day and, and somebody on your back all the time. All these things happen on a daily basis to everybody, right. and it just drives you nuts. So you got to step back. I mean, most people don't step back and meditate or yoga or whatever it may be. Right. But uh, if someone could do that, you'd be a lot better overall, with a lot more um, better resolution. Let me ask you a question. Um, and uh, you're an emergency room doctor? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, have you, do you have anything, any cases that you can talk about in a general sense? Because I know you can't be specific where you've seen burnout so bad that they've made it into the emergency room, that they've made it to you on that other end? A lot of people that are basically stressed out from whatever whatever job. I mean, I've had uh, sure. CEOs and millionaires as well as um, individuals with low economic um, uh, resources. They come in and they're not able to make ends meet. And some of them get to the point that, unfortunately, they actually try to hurt themselves. They either try to attempt suicide or, or something of that sort. It's really, really sad. I mean, they totally collapse. And when you mentally uh, burn out, um, you get sick. If your body's okay, you won't get an infection or right. cancer or whatever. But, but these, these people just give up and their health is so poor that something happens inevitably. And they come in and they give you this most weirdest excuse. They says, well, my ingrown toenail hurts. But in reality, when you sit down with them, it's, well, I'm having trouble at home. The house is not working. I got five dead deadlines to do. And if I don't do this, I'm going to lose my job. And it goes on and on and on. And this pertains to all the industries. And I know that you guys do the exact same thing. What I found with you guys is that you guys keep on pushing and pushing and pushing. You don't stop at eight hours, go to sleep, and then wake up. You're mm. up for 24, 36, 48 hours straight. 
Actually, I don't even know how you do it because I'm an emergency room physician and I've done it for 48 hours. You can't perform a surgery or something with 48 hours without sleeping. It's not really good for people. What do doctors do? I mean, when you have those crazy long shifts. Especially interns. How is that yeah, legal? That we all went through that. Okay. Yeah. That's like rites of passage and they have changed those rules. Now you can only go no more than 36 hours straight. Even so, a truck driver can't even do that. Truck driver can't You're right. has to stop at 10 hours. How is it that's the system. That's the system the way it is. They believe that if you're under a stressful situation, okay, and you overcome that, you'll be able to repeat that in the future when something more critical comes along. We hope. <laughs> well, as a doctor, it's, it's important. But yeah. uh, you know, in your industry, basically, it's a little bit different because right. you can only step back and either redo it change it or add to it or subtract to it. But um, yeah, in medicine, it's a little bit different because it's yeah. life-threatening. You're right. You're totally right with that. Wow. Let me ask you a question. Is there a clinical definition of burnout? <laughs> well, basically, it's um, when you – an exhaustion issue or it's a psychiatric um, a nervous breakdown. That's burnout. That's so, so burnout is kind of exhaustion with mental Oh, absolutely. With right. the, with the right. mental aspect. I, I, like I was saying before, exhaustion is just fatigue. Right. You eat, you sleep, you come back. But burnout means you've destroyed cells. It's, the connections are not there. And your uh, ability to perform in, in a creative model is diminished. Um, actually, there's a, a number of cases with individuals that they don't sleep, the neurotransmitters don't work as well, and your ability to create music right. and or your ability sure. to write or sing or whatever is diminished. Now, let me ask you a question. When we're on heavy deadlines and, you know, I'm working with a lot of different people, um, how bad is Red Bull? <laughs> on a scale from 1 to 10, it's about a 40. Really? <laughs> In a bad sense. Really? Yes. Well, minus 40. Why, <laughs> well, minus 40. Yeah. Why, is, why is Red Bull so bad for you? I, it, it's basically, it's a stimulant because right? there's like co compounds like taurine in it and sugar. Okay, the the biggest evil across the board today in anything in life is sugar. It it, it will destroy you because everything we eat, everything we use, is, is causes inflammation, and sugar is the great evil. Now, don't get me wrong; we need a little bit of sugar in our in our food. Sure, but if we overdo it, okay. We were just talking earlier about donuts that. The ultimate evil is donuts. <laughs> it's fried, no. it's sugar, it's, it's gluten, it's everything together. Well, we all do it. I mean, you know, you go to an ER and, and, um, and uh, police officers walk in. Do you know what police officers walk into the ER with? Yeah. Dozen donuts. All the time. Really? And they just distribute them out and we all eat them. Yeah. yeah. And there's a can of Coke, which is even worse. Okay. I, we all do it. But no, really, unfortunately, the biggest evil is sugar because our body is not able to manage it accordingly, and we go into overdrive. So all those energy drinks are probably just the worst thing you could be doing for your body. Yeah, they are time. the worst thing. Now, because I've also heard, I, I don't I don't drink Red Bull, but I tried one once, and it, I just did not like the feeling of it. Yeah, but, uh, but um, you know, as much of a bump that you get, you also crash on the other side, right? Correct. That, that, which Very is true. even harder than if you just motored through it. Now, what are any, are there any natural things that you can do if you need a little, little jump? Is there anything that you would recommend or besides sleep? Well, <laughs> well sleep is, is the number one thing is yeah. basically just eating a balanced meal 
and eating something that's basically whole and uh, that's good for you. That was, that's what it comes down to. Because think about this. Four or 500 years ago, yeah. and let's talk about the entertainment industry, all the, the composers or, or anybody else out there, or the architects during the, during the times of the pyramids, whatever. These people ate normally, and they were able to create what they needed to do at those time periods. Now in modern society, we have all these stimulants. We have these pills. Yeah. We have these Red Bulls. I mean, like, it, it's just too much for the body. We uh, crash. Yeah, what's in every production company? Candy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just, yeah, especially like... And pizza. Yeah. Well, I was trying to describe to them what the, the snacks on a dubbing stage are like, you know, where it's just a tray of just donuts and candy and... And coffee. Yeah, coffee. you're not going to see vegetarian and food. Or, <laughs> and licorice. Yeah. Actually, licorice is good for you. Licorice? No, no, seriously. Seriously. Yes. Licorice is one of those things. <laughs> Wait, black or red, though? Black. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh no. I only like the black. That's good. Uh, yeah, I only like the red. <laughs> you know, I know. Red. Team red. Yeah. <laughs> black. The reason behind that is because the black licorice actually supports the adrenal gland. The adrenal gland is your stress gland. When you're under stress, the adrenal gland kicks in and it does a whole bunch of things and it protects you. So black licorice actually helps that. Now, I wouldn't go overboard because if you eat too much of it, you're going to get palpitations. <laughs> oh, moderation. So moderation. black licorice or moderation. I'm I love so it. conflicted right now. <laughs> I want to eat licorice, but I can't stand the flavor and yet I'm going to get palpitations. Oh, I love black licorice. You have to hold your nose. I have a question for you, sure. Joe. When I was 20 years old, I was playing in a band six, seven nights a week. I had a girlfriend and I was in college <coughs> and I was burning the, the candle at both, both ends, ends for sure. Okay. And eventually I got terribly ill and got mononucleosis and I was down on my back. I was basically out of it for three months. Wow. And I think back on this and I think, wait a second. Did the mono come because of my lifestyle, because I was exhausted and burned out, or was it just a byproduct that happened? Was it just something that happened? And I happened to be um, <coughs> predisposed perhaps to it. Well, you're not predisposed to that stuff. But what happens is that there's a cascade effect. Our bodies have a system that protects us. It's our immune system. If you overuse the system, the system starts not working as effectively. And therefore, it, it, you are more likely statistically to get infections, whatever it may be, whether it be a virus, which is mono, mm -hmm. or a bacterial infection, or a fungal infection, or whatever. So if your immune system does not work because you're burning the candle on both ends, it's because you make yourself more susceptible. Oh, got it. Okay. Let me ask you another question, okay? Now, let's say you're, you're about to embark on three hell days that you have ahead of you. <laughs> Just theoretically, <laughs> right, Mike? Just theoretically. <laughs> theoretically. Let's go theoretically, okay. <laughs> theoretically, let's just say you're going to do that. Um, two questions. Number one, if you have a positive outlook and not stressed but just getting tired, is that any better or any worse um, to your health? And let's just start with there is, is mindset. Does that have anything at all? Like if you're going to work long, like there's working long and being angry about it. I've worked with people that like, Oh my gosh, I have to work late and you get pissed and you're all upset. But then there's also working long hours where you're not angry. You just know you have to get it done and you like what you're doing, but you're just working. No, that's much more positive. That, of course that's much more positive. So there's a 
at least if you if you spin your head the right way, you're doing a little less damage. A little less. Use the word a little less damage. Exactly. Because when it comes down to it, individuals that either have exams or deadlines, whatever. Yeah. Once you overcome that obstacle, yeah, the body goes into some sense of shutdown. Right. It's inevitable that most people sooner or later will either get an infection or they're out and they can't even raise their head off the pillow. It's, that's how bad it is because you've done the project. It's done. And you got to say, okay, now what I do? And the body says, you ain't going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly remember at the end of finals yeah, in college, exactly, you know, exactly. I'd sleep for 15 yeah. hours or yep. something after exactly. it was all over. Getting off the road off of a tour, I, I used to remember just sitting in a hot tub for three days ago. Oh, I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm not going to do anything. Right? Truck yeah. drivers, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Actually, absolutely. truck drivers, same thing. If they're out on a road for 24 hours on yeah. a truck, yeah. I mean, there's regulations now they can't drive. But when they go, they're out. They're out for the count. You can't do anything with those individuals. All right. Now, let me ask you another question. <laughs> if you were to have to go without sleep for a little period of time, but you could stick in like a three or four hour moment, do you stay up late and then – take your your little four-hour nap or do you take your little four-hour nap and then get up early is is one any better than the other you're better off taking naps in between that helps body it, re- it replenishes your your transmitters in your brain like short better. naps or yeah you just need 20 minutes to an hour something like that that yeah. actually makes a big difference it actually makes a big difference oh yeah, yeah like me today <laughs> Did you do that today? Yes. I mean, I love a nap. During my lunch break. <laughs> <laughs> They've been doing that in Europe for a number, hundreds of years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, just sure. So yeah, pulled an all-nighter, took a 40-minute nap, and feel refreshed. <laughs> that's, that's a tough deal there. It is, it is. I also think that um, age has a tremendous amount to do this. I mean, you know, you were talking about being in college. We all mm-hmm. were able to do much more. It was easy for me to pull an all-nighter when I was 25. And now I couldn't even imagine it. And I think the difference for me now is that I have made the lifestyle choices. And, you know, I've really set that expectation for my team at Disney as well, that, you know, work-life balance is really what it's about. Um, And nobody is there at eight o'clock at night. You know, everyone's home with their family. Everyone's home taking care of their kids. I'm still getting emails from people at work. I don't, I, I just, I don't, I, I've made the choice not to go down that road anymore. Um, My preference yeah. is to be as good as I can be while I'm there and making, you know, 20 tough decisions and writing music and, you know, whatever it is I do in a given day. Um, but after that, when You're I go my home, hero. well, <laughs> I, it was a matter. It was a matter of of necessity. I mean, when I was at LucasArts and I was thirty years old, I would habitually work until three a.m. But you could do it at that. But time. I could do it at that time. Yeah. I cannot do it at fifty-two, and I don't want to do but it. I don't at want well, you to could try, but you wouldn't be very successful at all. No, it'll no, wipe no, you no. out. Yeah. 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 Last year, I did a bunch of sessions, first time in a long time, that went until midnight, one a.m. Mm-hmm. And usually, I'm you know nine. Nine o'clock, I like to call it, but, and I was shot. I was shot for three days afterwards, mm-hmm. even though it was something that would have been common at an, an earlier time in my life. And that's not even that late when you think about mm-hmm. it. It's not that um, bad. For the record, my bedtime is 10 p.m. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. Sure. I'm not an all-nighter. What time do you wake up? Uh, I mean, I'll sleep as much as possible. So, <laughs> as let's see, 8, eight o'clock in the morning. That's, that's a lot. That's good. a lot of hours. Yeah, that's ten good. hours. Oh, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky sleep. you. That's good for you. No, yeah, but I mean, it didn't work out last night. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
It's a good goal, though. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I still I still pull all letters. <laughs> I do too. And uh, I, I, and, and uh, I, but you know the thing with me, and I'll be honest, is like I was saying before, I kind of love what I'm doing. And and I'm a night person. That's one thing I wanted to ask you. You know, clinically, are there definitely night people and morning people? I yes. Because I, yes. I do my best work. <laughs> There's yeah. two two criteria for really good mic work: um, insane deadline <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and nighttime. I mean, if you have those two, we put it together. It's going to be a you know you're going to get a gem of a product. You on forgot the, other side. the third thing. What fear. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, right. Fear is fear's important. Yeah, it's that a good motivator. So, you are so right. Fear. Yeah, you got to put a little – fear's the glue that keeps it all together. <laughs> but but there are – there's clinically, there are day people and there are night people, right? There's more – the majority of human species are day people. Um, you, you do ruin your, um, your hormones at, la- uh, at night. Most individuals that stay up all night gain lots of weight. Uh, correct. <laughs> no, no, I wasn't implying anything. I was implying. I'm just saying you, you, you'll notice that because uh, nurses that work overnight, yeah. uh, airline pilots that do over, you know, go east or west when they fly long distances. Yeah. There's all those things in the human species that actually it screws everything up, and you have a tendency to gain weight. Hmm. I so, flipped from a night person to a day person. Same with me. Did you? Yeah. And you look great, Bobby. Uh, you know what? I'm going to be a, mo- a day person. I'm flipping. Well, after these. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After three all nighters. After, after the three days, then I'm gonna I'm gonna flip to a day. That's interesting. I did not know that. It's very true. That's, yeah. that's actually people that do um, women that do all nighters for whatever job they do. Um, their reproductive system doesn't work. They don't have menstrual periods. Wow. They don't give birth. I mean, there's a lot of problems with it because it's, the day night cycles are all screwed up. Hmm. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I have to throw something in at this point that I haven't mentioned here on the audio nowcast, but I think now is the, the perfect time to mention it, mm-hmm. um, which is that over the last year, I was getting very concerned every time that I went into the doctor for, you know, whatever it was, going to urgent care because I had a cold or I'd, you know, sprained my ankle or whatever it was, and they would be checking my blood pressure, and I was very unhappy at the numbers that I was hearing back. Um, so four months ago... I made the decision to go vegan, which I have managed to maintain this entire time. Um, I drink maybe a beer a month, maybe, if that much. Um, And I'm really, really careful about what I'm eating. Uh, Six weeks, six weeks after I started the vegan diet, I was sick and I had to go into uh, urgent care. And they checked my blood pressure. It was totally normal. Totally normal. Wow. Good for you. Six weeks. That's pretty impressive. So if you're really feeling stressy, I <laughs> feel vegan. I feel much more <laughs> grounded um, and I feel much better. There's a lot of other stresses in my life. And so having the physical aspect of it be something that I'm not thinking about as much has been something that's been greatly, you know, great help. And, you know, you were talking about candy at Disney. They have a peanut M&M dispenser. Like <laughs> there are two of them on every floor and you can go over and you can take all of them that you want. For me, it was a matter of doing the vegan thing and then just deciding I will never have another peanut M&M out of there again. Not one. And I haven't. Good for you. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Wow. Awesome. See, because not just M&Ms, but peanut M&Ms. Exactly. Because they're pretty fantastic. I know. I was yeah. going to yeah. say, that's like. And they're healthy. Wow. They're really healthy. Hey, they're so the not. <laughs> There's an emergency bag in my fridge as we speak. Hey. <laughs> you never, when you walk by, you don't ever hear the machine go, Nick. 
No. <laughs> yeah, I drink I drink one cup of coffee in the morning. We're delicious. And then, you know, about three sips of an iced tea in the afternoon, and that's pretty much it for the caffeine as well. Wow. How difficult has it been to stay vegan? Just in, in, in yeah. finding the food. Finding the food is absolutely easy. Um, you can be vegan and eat potato chips, right? So that's not, you know, potato chips really? are vegan. Sure. But that's not what it's Oreos about. are vegan. Oreos I love probably that vegan are. diet potato chips. But, <laughs> but no, that's not what sold. it's about. What it's, what it's really about. Um, so at Disney, I'm very happy because of the commissary, they have a vegan entree every day. Oh, and boy. so I always get it. It's usually sweet potatoes or jackfruit or something like that as a replacement for meat. Um, the big issue is cream cheese and milk and all of that. But the, the beauty of it is there are vegan replacements for all of those things. I hmm. drink tons of soya milk. Um, I eat lots of nuts, and rice and beans are a fantastic protein source. Um, there is vegan cheese, which I made a grilled cheese sandwich with last night for dinner. It was fantastic. There's vegan sour cream. There's vegan um, cream cheese. So, you know, the nice Jewish boy can still have his bagels <laughs> and cream cheese. <laughs> so so it's, it's, it's totally doable. It's a matter of, it's a matter of um, setting yourself up for it. It's a matter of trying to spend a little bit of time planning ahead. Mm. Dr. Joe? Let me ask you, vegan, non-vegan? Vegan's the way to go. Vegan's the way to if go. If not vegetarian. That's what really helps. Uh, Actually, I, was, I forgot to mention one other thing. Besides eating well and help supporting your system, yep. you could do external things also. Besides meditation or, or yoga, people don't like that. Why not get in a massage? Get mm-hmm. someone to give you a massage once a day. In the industry, we have people that are all t- – when you speak on the, on the mic all the time, you tighten your, your neck muscles, okay, and you tense your face. You get someone to do a nice neck massage or a total body massage once or twice a month or every a week. It's ideal. And that will increase your productivity too. The audio outcast is looking for oh, anybody boy, there. there. <laughs> Any volunteer masseuses who wants to, <laughs> who wants to sponsor? Massage therapist, not masseuses here. Massage therapist. Sorry. Do you believe in uh, blood type uh, diet? I, uh, I advocate that, yes. It's, it's almost like 85% correct. Really? Yes. Wow. Blood type diets. Yes. Um, it's not Explain set in stone. what that is? It's not, yeah, it's not set in stone, but there's a number of uh, doctors that actually wrote a book on it. It says that your blood type... Um, proves that you have a higher ability to digest certain types of foods versus other blood types. So, for example, if you're blood type A, you have a high uh, levels of enzymes to digest vegetable-type products. So you should be a vegetarian if you're blood type A. Hmm. Okay? That's me. Blood type O, is which the majority of individuals uh, are, they have enzymes that, that digest proteins better. So you're better off eating protein types of things versus uh, the blood type O should not be vegetarians and the blood type A should not be uh, protein eaters. And you digest it better and you sleep better. Wow. I got to find out what blood type I'm I am. I'm so angry because I love meat so much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an I just told you it's not set in stone. <laughs> right. I know, I know, but I honestly, I, I've been trying it out and I think it's, it's a good thing. So. I've been a vegetarian <laughs> since 1982. Wow. Really? Yes. And <laughs> Wow. No, we got a vegan, we got a vegetarian. But, but but wait. It wasn't philosophical. It wasn't for anything other than meat just didn't taste good any longer. So for the first year I was without red meat. The second year onward 
was no fowl, no turkey, no. But I'll I'll do fish, and fish is just fine. So you're pescatarian. 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 Yeah, yeah. But I, I got to tell you, it was one of those. And and even now, I, one of my publishers took me to to uh, uh, Ruth's Chris, Ruth Chris. Oh yeah, the steakhouse. A couple years ago, and I thought oh, I'm at this great steakhouse, so I'll have a steak. Luckily, I ordered surf and turf, and this wonderful Delmonica cut came out. It looked terrific. And I took one bite and I could not go any further. It just t- mm. it didn't taste good. Couldn't do it. So I, I you know, I, I that, feel, I feel a lot better. I have to say than I did when I was eating meat, but, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's not philosophical at all. If that ever happens again, just ask for a doggy bag and then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm here to help you, man. Yeah. There you go. I'm here to help. Yeah. Supportive olive friend. branch there. Um, <laughs> well, then, no, but that's interesting about, about the diet because I think, especially if you're out there and you're listening to us and um, you're working in the industry, you can everybody can relate to all these things. Everybody can relate to the all nighters. Everybody can relate to the horrible lifestyles. The good thing about studios nowadays and production nowadays is there's definitely um, people are a little more health conscious. Oh yeah, you know. Uh, even when I was on the road towards the end, you know, I toured with some toured with a famous drummer that I'm not going to call out because in his younger days he was did cocaine and he was just really into drugs and there was a couple famous incidences where he did a whole gig and he didn't remember any of it. But towards the end, when I was working with him, he was the healthiest guy I knew. He he would carry around. His when we were over in Europe, his own little box that had his own meal and all his soy milk and everything. So, I mean, there's definitely you see that trend um, of people trying to be healthy out in the road. People trying to be healthy. look at Paul McCartney's tour. Yeah, that, that's all vegan. Oh, really? Has been for years. Paul yeah, McCartney starts vegan. Yeah, yeah, it has been for years. One one thing that people don't realize if you're working in a facility on any kind of big project, the caterers and whoever's dealing with the craft services and the food, they like getting input from the people working there about what they want. Cause they don't really know. I mean, they're just sort of guessing. And so if you, I know Scott has done this on when he's been on some really long films. Yeah. Cause he'll be the, you know, the senior sound guy on the film. He'll have to be there for weeks and weeks and they'll just have big piles of donuts sitting around the stage. And he'll say, look, I know I can't fight the temptation. So if there's big piles of donuts, I'm going to eat them. So let's get fruits and vegetables and, you know, healthy stuff in here. The facilities will do that. They'll get whatever you want. And a lot of times people don't realize that they can put in a request and ask. Um, but that's really important. If you're going to be at a place where there's going to be snackables sitting all over the place, yeah. make it something healthy because you'd be amazed how much junk you end up eating on a project. Part of it's nervous energy. You don't know what else to do. So you're just, oh, I'll just have one more donut. Or you have those times where you're not doing anything. Or you're not doing hour. anything. Yeah. Right. yeah, my friend, she has this trick, or it's not really a trick, but she carries little carrots in her bag, and she says, if I'm really hungry, I'm going to go for my carrots because that's all mm-hmm. I have. But if I'm not, then I'm not going to go for something else. Mm-hmm. And that's just like a real t- test to see how hungry you really are. Cause, so she's not just craving something or it's not just in your head. That's good. You know, is I have a question. Everybody else has been asking questions. So is it is it better to eat? They always say it's better to eat a bunch of small meals during the day as opposed to like one big one or two big ones. Is that is that actually? Is there any science behind that? Is that true? There's some science. It, it depends because some individuals are like that. The average person on this planet eats three meals a day. 
I mean, our systems are, are designed to dig- eat food, digest, clear it out, and eat it about six hours later. And that comes out to about three meals a day. But there are some other individuals, whether you are diabetic, for example, or other individuals that eat, if they snack and they graze all, all day. Mm-hmm. The problem that I find with it is that if you're constantly asking your pancreas, which is the organ that secretes insulin for your digestion, and you're stimulating it every single second of the day, you are going to drain it over a number of years. And, and, my, and I, there's nothing that I know off the top that's proof to this, but my, my feeling is that you, you are over – um, indulging, not overindulging, but stimulating, stimulating that yeah. the, uh, the pancreas so much that it's going to have problems. In the last 50 years, there has been uh, a numerous amounts of diabetes as well as pancreas cancers that has increased, and we don't know why. Mm-hmm. So I propose a possibility that may be the fact, but the majority of individuals eat three times a day. That, you know, that makes a lot of sense, though, that about the uh, overstimulating it and yeah. overstimulating it, overstimulating it. That wow, that I didn't didn't know about that. Hey, one thing I want to tell people out there um, that I'm a firm believer in, especially if you're a you know once you get up in age, if you're a gentleman, if you're you know forty and above, um, see your doctor. Go see your doctor. Go see your doctor. Um, I I can't tell you the stories that you hear where guys go to the doctor and and find out something is wrong when it's when it's too late, mm-hmm. right? I mean, true, right, true. You, you probably see that all the time, and and all you have to do is just go for a checkup. And and I I was forced to see my doctor um, regularly when about well about ten years, maybe twelve years ago. Um, I was actually working, and I've told this story on the podcast before, but I was I was working, and uh, my heart started pounding super hard. And I was doing all these overnight all, all-nighters. It was a horrible week, and I literally felt my heart beating in my in my throat. It was that intense, and I ended up having my client take me to the hospital, the emergency room, because I just knew something wasn't right. And so we went to the emergency room and um, the doctor said that, uh, I said, yeah, my, my heart's, it's just something that doesn't feel right. So the nurse felt my pulse and I knew something was, was wrong was as soon as she felt my pulse, she brought me in the back and, and hooked me up to an EKG. And there was a whole, you know, waiting room full of people that were sitting there and they put, brought me in the back in the EKG. And then you hear him talking and then they laid me down in the back and all of a sudden it was like all these people came out and this doctor came out and apparently my heart rate went up some astronomical level. Mm-hmm. And essentially he gave me a shot that kind of rebooted the whole thing. And it was the weirdest thing in the world. It was like a, it was like a shutter wipe where the whole world went like this. And then it was like, bling, <laughs> you know, seriously. Yep. But that scared the bejeebies out of me. And, and after that, I went to the doctor every year and, you know, went to cardiologists and, and what's, it's a hyper, hyper tech. It was a flutter. Yeah, basically. It was a very, very fast heart rate. Yeah. And they give you something, it just shuts it down for a second, yeah. and it reboots your whole system. Up. Yeah, that was this crazy thing. And it scared me. Like, Was it because of stress or what was it? It was, it was a Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been. been. It could have been. been just I wasn't getting a lot of sleep. It was caffeine. Yeah. And it was just – I was just so – and and on that particular one, I was working with a client who was really particular, and I was really nervous. And it was a really big title, and it was just everything was just, it was just it was the perfect storm of horrible, 
situation. But yeah, but that got me into see the doctor. And I go, I mean, I'm not a hypochondriac, but I go to the doctor all the time now Mm -hmm. because it's like, there's so much out there in, in, in medicine that can help you no matter what happens. You know, if you get there early enough and you get there, um, at the right time, you can, most of the time you can be helped. Yeah. What is more important than your health? True. I think people, when you're on a project and especially in this industry where you worry that if you don't if you don't take the project and you don't work, there's somebody waiting in line behind you to take it. It's very easy to just put yourself last in the equation. And I think that's where most people run into problems because you just – you say, I got to kill myself for this because if I don't, somebody else is willing to take my place. And it's not worth it because you can literally it. kill yourself. I remember when I came back after that happened and it was just right here at St. Joseph, right? It was right at the hospital. That's It's right, right down the street. Um, I remember coming back – because after all that happened, I didn't, I didn't, they didn't keep me overnight or anything. It just basically, they watched me for a couple hours. Everything was cool. And I, I remember coming back in and it was just the most surreal experience because it's like I had this intense health thing happen and he was scaring the bejeebies out of me about if you didn't come in in time, you could have gone into cardiac arrest because your heart wasn't getting enough blood because it was always pumping out. It was never taken in. Just scared me. Like <laughs> worst case scenario, like horrible. And I was, I was in fear. So then I come back and I go into my studio and it just seems so insignificant. Mm-hmm. It's like, it, seriously, if I was going to do a career change, it would have been right then and there. Because mm-hmm. it was just, it, when you put your health up against a project, up against, you know, DVD bonus material or a commercial, it's, there was just no, it's, there's no contest, you know? Mm-hmm. And it just seems so small and so tiny. And so I just, you know, I really want to just stress that if you're out there, man, and you're, and you're, if you have to pull a lot of all-nighters, if you have to work, go see the doctor, you know, just, just make friends with your doctor, <laughs> you know, because they, you know, like, like a good doctor, like Dr. Dr. Joe here. You or know? learn to find a balance like Nick. Exactly. <laughs> trying, that's to. True. Trying, trying to. to. <laughs> trying to. That's true. Part of the, part of the balance is, you know, because of the fact that I have two small children, yeah. you know, I, I'm forced to. Uh, to have that work-life balance. And fortunately, almost everybody else on my team is in the same position. And so they love the fact that I always say family first, you know, because I live it and I can't expect the other people not to live it the same way. Absolutely. Well, you know, we're going to have to wrap it up, but Dr. Joe, thank you so much for being here. I mean, seriously. It was a pleasure. You know what? You're going to be the official doctor of the Audio Now. <laughs> I'm always available for you guys. I'm serious because this is – it's so it's so important and we all neglect our health sometimes. Because also if you need advice on like high-end speakers, you can help you with that. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't even talk about that. Yeah, we, we didn't even, even talk about that because Dr. Joe is not only a great doctor, but he's also an audiophile, you know? And when I say audiophile, we're talking, you know, Martin Logan and above. <laughs> You're going to have to come back so that we can yeah. have an argument about speaker cable and whether <laughs> it really is polarized and all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> hey, um, before we go, do you have any um, parting words of wisdom for anybody out there about health? We kind of already discussed that. Basically, take it easy. Um, take care of your body. Be preventative about it. And um, do the best that you can to c- maintain some type of schedule. What I mean by that is this. Organize biology. The laws of the universe – God and nature doesn't give a rat's ass what you do. We all have the same rules we have to follow. Try to get your sleep. Take care of yourself. It takes, it takes very few muscles to be happy, a lot more to be sad. You'll take care of yourself. You do well, and you'll be happy with your, with your children or not. So. Uh, that was brilliant right there. Yeah, right yeah. Dr. Yeah. Good advice. Dr. Joe. <laughs> Woo!
you know what I'm going to do? I'm not pulling that all-nighter. That's all. Good. <laughs> there we go. Go home and get I, some sleep. I'm inspired to not work. We have to, I have to get up. So there. if anybody's hiring, Mike's going to need a job <laughs> next week. <laughs> I, I have to get up at 4.45 this morning <laughs> because I'm field recording the Jungle Cruise in Disneyland before anybody gets to Disneyland. Wow. wow. So I have to be at in Anaheim at the park at 6.30 tomorrow are you, morning. Are you going to have a, a boat there with a... Full, yeah, skipper and everything. Like a guy Absolutely. telling jokes and everything. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna do one one where they don't do the jokes so that I can just get all of the sounds right. of the ride, including the backside of water, which I'm very excited yeah. about. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then we'll also do you know one or two more rides where they're actually doing all of the patter, so I can get that stuff too. I used to work at Disneyland, and I used to work on the attractions. And the one attraction I wanted to work on was the Jungle the Cruise. The Jungle Cruise, and that was the only one that I didn't get to do. I got to do mm-hmm. Pirates and Haunted Mansion and. Country Bear Jamboree when that was still around and everything. And let me tell you, one of the most horrific, horrific moments of my life is when I was in full pirate's garb and I was at the entrance of the Pirates of the Caribbean and I saw an ex-girlfriend. That's all I have to say. No, that, that was funny. That was oh. one of the wow. worst moments of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you know. So you're doing great, aren't you, Mike? (laughs) But but the funny thing was, is I was working there because it was in between tours, right? And so if you have to have a job, you might as well work at Disneyland, you know? And Mm so, you know, so on one hand, you're like, no, really, I tour the world. (laughs) I work with all these really great people. (laughs) And she just sees you in a giant pirate costume. (laughs) Anyway. That was really funny. Uh, so. All right. Well, hey, listen, if you have any comments or questions, you can reach us at audionowcastnetwork.com. That's audionowcastnetwork.com. And I want to welcome a lot of new listeners. I mean, uh, Eric Pershing's um, show that we did got a ton of downloads. And I know we got a lot of new people. And we got some more likes on Facebook. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully you'll you'll enjoy the podcast. But uh we don't always do industry people. Sometimes we do things like this where we uh, talk about lifestyle and things like that because, you know, the podcast is all about the total total package, you know. Um, so uh, if you want to reach us, if you have any comments or questions, you could reach us at audio at nowcastnetwork.com. That's audio at nowcastnetwork.com. And before we go, um, Rob. Yes, uh, You working on anything fun and exciting that you want to talk about? I'm not working on anything fun and exciting right now. I'm actually suffering at the hand of Avid right now a little bit because (laughs) for the longest time, I think I've talked about it before, I carried around – I always carry around three laptops. And it was always two 17-inch MacBook Pros and one 15-inch. And I carry the 17-inch because it's nice to have a bigger screen for Pro Tools and for writing code and for all the things I do. Well, since the last podcast, both of my 17-inch laptops died. Both unfixably. They both need new motherboards, which would be about a thousand bucks each. What era? What? They're the last seventeen inches that Apple made. So, like two thousand eleven. I've I've got one. If you you, if you need to, yeah. For you, for you, buddy. We're gonna have to talk. We'll talk. Because I've been basically repurposing. I've found some other fifteens that I'm using temporarily because they're coming out with new ones at the end of the year that I really want. You're going to be able to get thirty two gigs of RAM. It's going to be like a whole exciting thing, but. In the meantime, I've got to get work done. So I've been installing operating systems, you know, on these 15 inches that I'm going to use temporarily and trying to figure out what operating system is going to be compatible with the Pro Tools licenses I have. Oh, yeah. And figuring out there's basically only one combination that that's cool to be able to go back to Pro Tools 10, which you know, I have tons of stuff back on Pro is that Tools. Is Yosemite? 10. No, it's it there's 
you can go to the latest version of El Capitan and use a slightly older version of Pro Tools 12, I think it is, and then you can also install 10. But they have this grid on the Pro Tools website. I swear, it's like the most complicated thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Well. So there was only one brief period of time when all the version numbers lined up, and none of the current stuff's compatible with any of the old stuff. So there's basically just one combination of operating system and then the right version of Pro Tools 12 to install and the right version of Pro Tools 10 to install. And theoretically, on their grid, it says it works. I haven't actually made it that far. I've wasted hours and hours. Wow. Formatting and reinstalling. and. Mm. I did wow. do one thing that's really cool, though. I made one USB stick that has every installer Apple's ever had. <laughs> so so as I'm trying this stuff, because it's like shotgunning. I mean, it's just trial and error. Jeez. <laughs> just reinstalling over and over and over. So well, that's what I've actually been doing for the last five days, is just trying to get my systems back up and running. Wow. That's So if I knew horrific. you had a 17-inch, I might have driven down <laughs> to visit you. Yeah, we'll talk afterwards. So that's I'm, mostly what I've been doing. And eventually, I'm going to stop being able to be creative again once I get the computers figured out. <laughs> How about you, Miss Bliss? You working well, on it? You could get some sleep and be creative. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd get some sleep if someone else would just finish these laptops for me. You work on any uh, fun projects that you can talk about? or Always. <laughs> um, working on fun projects. Can't always talk about them, though. Um, but you will be able to. I will be able to, yeah. I always leave it to Mike to tease. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, she's working on a phenomenal project. And we will get updates on it. And when are we going to get to see the stuff that you guys have been shooting together? Um, that's the thing is we're trying to decide if we're going to shoot, if we're going to do the whole se season at one time or if we're going to release an episode. Okay, because you've been getting all this great footage. but Oh, we've been editing it too. Oh, you have? Believe me. It's, it's, it's looking. All right. I showed these guys some still frames. Oh, we'll be patient. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. All right. Uh, Dr. Joe, how about you? You out here for vacation or are you uh i'm actually here for a conference at the end of the week so great yeah and he it's, did not expect to be with us tonight no, but it's no. excellent no this is really gonna good. be a pretext to come back there you go yeah. Yeah. well now that you're yes. the official doctor you have yeah. to come back. you are the official <laughs> doctor. make a house call okay. Where do you live? in philadelphia oh okay so i grew if up you're in, in philadelphia come to see me i grew up in pottsville i know where that is yeah, yeah. as a Close. matter of fact i was just there oh okay yeah sure. i'm gonna go and philly too I'm going to Philadelphia. Just Philly's to see great. Dr. Yeah. Joe. I think Me that's too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, how about you? You working on anything? Oh God. So much. I've been playing a ton of bass and I bought a GNL jazz bass, which mm -hmm. is the most gorgeous. GNL. Yes. It's so cool. They are the most it's the most gorgeous instrument ever. It was just fantastic. And it was so fun because I picked out the exact one that I wanted and I researched it for months and then I mm. ordered it and then I waited and waited and then it came and there was something that was so I didn't know you fantastic. played bass. Oh yeah, I've been doing I've been playing much more bass than keyboards over oh, the last year. Oh my years, goodness. So. And just, you're a phenomenal keyboard player. Well, so I can only imagine what it's what. been it's been really very wonderful to focus very seriously on a different instrument, you know, after so many years of doing one thing. I've been into bass so. lately and I've been into like old school like seventies and disco bass and things like that. And I created this playlist that's amazing. I call it Good Funkin' Time. <laughs> 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 and, and it's so good. It's I, I mean I yeah, we, we I'd love to hear some. some it's it's days. it's it's great. You know, I'm writing a ton of music for, uh, you know, some outside freelance things, which has been a lot of fun. Um, and uh, the coolest thing that I did was I just wrote 
a, a rag for Steamboat Willie, for a mm. Disney Steamboat Willie thing, which is going to be premiered at the D23 Festival in July. That is so cool. It was, it was extremely awesome. Between I was your, very, very happy about it. Between that. your bass plan and Bobby's guitar plan and Rob's keyboard plan, I'm just saying. We, we, start we, the audio now, that's yeah. banned. That's right. <laughs> and the number of rehearsals we could ever actually get together in exactly. would be, you know, one a year. Exactly. So virtual. <laughs> one hour a year. Skype. Or virtual. Skype. <laughs> Bobby O, how about you? I'm doing uh, the second version of social media promotion for musicians, second edition. Great. It's been four years. It really needs an update. And, <laughs> Time to update. Yeah. And also, um, I'm doing another book. In my podcast, the last question I always ask somebody is, do you have any business advice or is there a piece of business advice that you've ever been imparted to or you learned along the way? So I've collected all of those and I'm putting those into a book, all of those mm. comments. And, That's and that, great. Yeah. So that should be interesting as well. So. Yeah, and I want to uh, recommend Bobby's podcast because if you want to hear a really great podcast, and as one reviewer said, the best interviewer out there, mm. go listen to oh. Bobby O's uh, podcast. It's a, it's really good. It's oh. the real deal. Didn't know who, that somebody said that, but uh, yes, they did, you, and yeah. it wasn't it wasn't me because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was nice. jealous as snot. <laughs> 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 How about you, Mike? I oh. know that there's that project that you're working on that's killing you right now or about to kill you. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, sometimes the idea of a project is way better <laughs> than the actual, yeah. you know, um, project itself. I mean, when when you line everything up, you're like, man, why did I do that? But uh, it's all good. I'm, I'm working on something really kind of fun and exciting. Um, it's actually helping Bliss out with the project that we can't talk about, but we will be able to talk about. It. And it's really, it's it's gonna, it's gonna be amazing. How's that for a tease? Uh, how's <laughs> so that stay for tuned. A tease? And then uh, just you know doing some some branding commercials and things like that over at that place where I work during the day. It's all good. It's you know, just trying to have a positive attitude, and I think. You know, we all have to work hard and we all have to do what we do. And I think attitude has a lot to do with it, you know, and you can choose to to hate your life or you can choose to say, you know what, these are all great opportunities and it's all really cool. And thank God that, um, you know, we can do what we do and, and what we love to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, and actually, Bliss said something about Mondays that was really cool. You want to, you want to talk about that, about the, uh, about the Monday thing? Yeah. I was reading this, uh, book that's kind of like a goal setting book and uh, having a positive outlook and mentality on life. And ultimately you do these little exercises. And one of the coolest ones that stuck with me was, um, why does everyone hate Mondays so much? You know, it's like the worst day of the week. No one wants to be at work. And it's like you spend like one seventh of your life hating Mondays. It's like, why? Why do you hate Mondays? Why can't you shift your mind um, and your mentality into doing something that you like, something you look forward to every Monday? So it's a little something that, you know, you, you'll be excited to do and um, will change your mentality and outlook on your week. And then it will improve everything thereafter. And it's a good way to look at it. And you know what? And it's helped. And you know, do put a goal to do something that you want to do on a Monday, and it it just helps. Monday fun day. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, once again, I want to thank Dr. Joe. 
Carcetti. Yeah, you said it right. Uh, I know. Awesome. <laughs> Had to think about that. Um, <laughs> and then we also have to give a, a shout out to your cousin. Cousin Dana visiting from the East Coast. <laughs> yeah. She yeah, thought yeah, she yeah. could hide behind a lack of microphone. Doing quiet laughing. Well, thank you so much for joining us, both of you. It's been it's been a pleasure. Uh, once again, if you have any comments or questions, you can reach us at audionowcastnetwork.com. And uh, if you're listening to us uh, for the first or the second time, um, be sure to like us on Facebook. Um, other than seeing the number go up, I don't know, I don't know what else it's going to get you, but um, we're trying to be really a little bit more active and, um, you know, some things are happening on the podcast. It'll be really great. So for myself and all the guys, and I also want to give a shout out to Ken Kane and Brett Bach, also his partner. So I want to thank those guys. All right. For myself. And oh, all- wait. And the big shout out to Andrew and Joanne. Can't forget about that. Oh, yeah. Andrew Wherever and you are, Joanne, we're thinking about you. <laughs> all right. <laughs> For myself and all the guys, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and West Wave Audio. The Audio Nowcast is hosted by Mike Rodriguez and uses Aphex's 230 Master Channel Voice Processor. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Music